Welcome to the College Prep Genius Radio Show, where we can answer all your questions about getting college for free. Today, your host is Jean Burke, the author of College Prep Genius, The No-Brainer Way to SAT Success, and you can find her at collegeprepgenius.com. And I'm the moderator, Felice Gerwitz. Welcome. Hey, everyone, and welcome. This is Felice Gerwitz with another episode of College Prep Genius Podcast. And with me on the line is Jean Burke. Uh, Today, the topic is helping your teens make great choices. This is Podcast 37, and you can find it at collegeprepgenius.com forward slash podcast. And today, Jean, you are going to talk about communicate, cultivate, and choices. Yes, you know, communication, wow. You know, when I read all the um, major corporations and they talk about one of the soft skills that are needed, communication is way at the top up there. You know, they're finding employees who, who can't communicate. And I think mm-hmm. that's the situation that's going on right now, this digital world that we're living in where nobody talks to each other, where two kids are sitting next to each other, and they're texting each other, and they're not looking at each other face-to-face. You know, we've all seen the family of five in a restaurant who are all on the phone talking to somebody else. I mean, even when they're together, they're not together. Um, So communication is not only lacking, um, it is absolutely, uh, you know, on the the outs for nowadays. And so, you know, when we're we're talking about communication with our kids, you know, it's a two-way street, which, you know, we want them – um, to not only be able to communicate to us as parents, uh, but to be able to communicate to, you know, other others, you know, and, and, and be able to know have the tools to do that. I think that a lot of times um, the communication, uh, you know, is, um, you know, oftentimes it's verbal, sometimes it's nonverbal, but it's almost nonexistent nowadays and it's something that's certainly not being taught, especially in the, in, in the digital world. So I think, Teaching our kids to communicate and having that open lines of communication is so important. One of the things when our, our, our kids were little, you know, we, one of the sort of the model that we had is, you know, when our kids ask us a question, you know, we would look at it more of, you know, a little question deserves a little answer, a big question deserves a big answer, and a frank question deserves a frank answer. And so I think that uh, as a parent, we need to be very, very honest with our kids. Like we talked about before, of, of being able to, uh, being able to trust us and us, you know, speaking the truth to them, and, and and really allowing nothing to be taboo in your home. That that's something that may be difficult, but it's something that can protect your child when you know that they, when they know they can come to you and talk to you about anything, you know, not isolating any any area. And I think it's really important. And I'll tell you a story. Um, when my kids were little, my kids are 17 months apart, and so my son Josh was the big thinker. He would be the one that would be staring at the window um, and just, you know, you think he was looking and watching the buildings pass by, but he was really in deep thought. And so he would, he would, I would always know something was coming because he would be just staring, and then he would ask me some very profound question. And, and he was the kind of per, the kid that, when he was one years old, he could speak in full sentences. And so when he was two, we were driving down the street, and he was looking out the window, and he said, Mom, where do babies come from? 
like, oh, great. <laughs> Didn't expect that one. Um, I and know, I, right? yeah, I <laughs> gave some pat answer like, oh, they're in your mommy's tummy, and one day they're born. Some little answer to some little question. And so nothing was said for an entire year. I mean, it, it was gone. I never heard another word about it. So I didn't have to go into any kind of physical, you know, birthing, anything, you know. And so one of the things that we always did is we always um, laid, it, laid on the bed with our kids at night. And my, da- my son, uh, my daughter, they're 13 months apart. My daughter was about a year and a half and my son was three. So my, my son would always be asking me all these very profound questions, and my, but my daughter never asked me anything because she was always right there with him when he asked them. So, so she never had to ask. She got all the answers right away without even having to ask. And so about a year later, he was three, and my daughter was about a year and a half, and we were laying on his bed, and we were praying, and we were talking, and, and he said, Mom, how did the babies get in the mommy's tummy? Like oh gosh, <laughs> my first <laughs> he hasn't was, forgotten. <laughs> no, no, he has not thought it, forgotten. He's gotten a little more elaborate, you know. And my first thought was, I'm glad this is we're in the dark, so I can't see my face. And so I I gave an answer something like, well, you know, Daddy has a sperm and Mommy has an egg, and they get together and make a baby. And okay, that, that was enough. Well, the next night, my daughter said, Mom, tell us the story again about the spam and the egg. <laughs> and I just, <laughs> I just died laughing. And then the next night, Mom, tell us again about the spam and the egg. And then that went on for about three or four nights. And then it was done, and it was gone. And I never heard about it again for years. Um, and, you know, um, so the thing about the communication is, you, you, you know, so many times, you know, parents of teenagers will say, well, how do you talk about the big issues? And I always say, you know what, you should have, you can't talk about the big issues unless you talk about the little issues. You know, you probably should have talked about the big issues, you know, when they were much younger and continued on. Um, but I think a lot of times it's, they don't realize is it's not just the quote-unquote big issues that you save to the teenage years, which certainly should be talked about before, but it's something that you're doing all their life, keeping those lines of communication open. Uh, and I think the kids will appreciate that. You know, sometimes, though, when it comes down to, you know, when when you are maybe speaking with them about something that you don't agree with or you don't want them to do, you know, no longer can you say, because I said so. That, you know, that worked great when they were little, but not for teenagers. So if they can, if you can communicate the reasons why, here is why we believe this is not a good idea. Here's why we believe dot, dot, dot. And I think they, they mm-hmm. definitely appreciate that. And since we are growing up in this age of technology, it is really, you know, which is dumbing down our kids, uh, it's really important that we certainly limit the technology, of course, um, but also make sure that the lines of communications are, are still open and being able to talk to them. And, you know, some of the things, too, I think a lot of times is, is, is you know, not just how how to communicate, but what we should be saying. You know, starting with the little stuff, and and not just saying you know how was your day, but how what was the best part of your day? Because everybody's going right. to say, oh, it was fine, it was okay. 
uh, one of the things that we well, that I appreciate that I learned a long time ago when my kids were little from my pastor's wife at the time was she talked about always sitting on the kids' bed at night. And, of course, her kids were all in public school. Um, and just talking about, you know, what was the best part of your day, you know. And before she knew it, the kids were opening up and sharing a lot of things that they probably wouldn't have shared before. So we made it a point to always sit on our kids' beds in the evening or lay on, lay down with them. And, and when they were little, you know, we did devotionals with them and we prayed with them. And as they got into teenagers, we still continued, of course, the, the devotionals. And I remember a, a year or so ago, my son was in town. And I guess he was probably 28 at the time, maybe. And he was in his room, and he said, Mom, Mom, come over here. Lay next to me. Let's talk. Now, to the normal person, what 28-year-old guy has his mom lay next to him and talk to him? Well, that relationship came from doing that all his life. Because if I had not have done that all his life, he would not have done it or asked me to do it at that point. And so we, you know, we always definitely made a point um, to do devotionals. One of the things I will, I will tell you is that um, make sure when you do devotionals that they are definitely age appropriate. And we tended to do that. Um, my daughter, we did one of the things that we did. We did a lot of devotionals. Is we did beautiful girlhood um, with a, a bunch of her cousins and friends. But when my son became a teenager, I went to the store and I bought the book. And I don't know, Felice, if you've heard of this one. It's called Every Young Man's Battle. Mm-hmm. And yes. I felt I felt like that was a really important book. To, I I didn't it, I don't think they had a devotion at the time. They may now. But I was just reading the book to him. And he said, "Mom, mom, mom, you got to stop." And I'm like, "Why?" He goes, "Mom, it's giving me visuals." <laughs> I'm like, "Oh shoot, <laughs> that was that was not my plan at all." Um, but I, you know, again, as a mom, my intentions are good, and I and I think he understood that. So. Just as a parent, just being able to ask them, hey, what is your dream vacation? Hey, describe yourself in three words. So, again, communication. It's a two-way street. It's something that we do when you're little, and we definitely uh, continue on as teenagers. Very good. And we're going to take a really quick commercial break, and when we come back, we're going to talk about uh, cultivating and choices just really quickly um, with the communication. One of the key uh, points you brought in uh, was the fact to keep that line of communication open and also uh, not to flip out uh, in colloquialism uh, to what they're saying because I think sometimes kids are afraid to talk to their parents, uh, first of all, because they're not sitting there like you uh, so wonderfully explained with your kids and what you did, uh, Jean. That was um, wonderful to be able to sit there at night. I'm going to tell you after being with my kids all day, Evening time was really difficult for me, but my husband took that over. So in the evenings, he would go and hang out with the kids and talk to them because I was with them all day. And at that point, um, you know, it it was difficult for me because I didn't have as much patience by the time I was exhausted. Um, And I I think that, too, is when they were a little bit younger. Um, But I, I think that's the key to communication when people say, well, my kids won't talk to me. And I, I always ask, well, do you flip out when they do try to talk to you and it's something you don't want to hear or you're upset? You really need to give them that ability to be able to tell you everything. And even if you're upset, you can say, well, you know, it's not quite what I wanted to hear, um, but just let me pray about it before I can get back with you. Um, and then that, in that way you're not, you know, freaking out as, as they might fear that you will. So um, we will be right back 
and uh, we'll pick it up from there. With College Prep Genius, free college can happen to you. That's right. It's never too early to start thinking about test prep to secure your future. Imagine getting free tuition, room and board, free grad school, and more based on your SAT score. College Prep Genius is the key to free. This award-winning, nationally featured program teaches students the logic behind the SAT. You'll learn to answer every question in 30 seconds, raise your score as much as 600 points, and go to the college of your dreams for free. Visit College Prep Genius to know more. Well, hi, everyone, and welcome back. This is podcast number 37, College Prep Genius Podcast with Jean Burke. And today we've been talking about communication, cultivating, and choices for our teens. And today's podcast episode is about helping your teens make great choices. And so, Jean, uh, you've been talking about um, opening those lines of communication, which is definitely uh, going to help them in that regard and um, how do you help them to cultivate uh, those those ideas? Well, cultivating sometimes is, you know, teaching them, it, it can be directly or indirectly. You know, the word nurture, uh, another word for it is educate. And so I think as a parent, you know, we want to nurture or help cultivate, you know, their passions, their their dreams. Um, you know, be there, support them. You know, being their number one fan is so important. I mean, there's, you know, this is a time when our teenagers are feeling rejection maybe for the first time, their fears, you know, maybe they're battling with purity, you know, the, the need to fit in. Um, so I think that, um, we, we need to realize that, you know, we're, we're there for them. We, we can be the one who helps to cultivate, uh, you know, to, to be in your children's memories tomorrow, you know, you have to be in their lives today. And I think one of the ways that we can help cultivate is sharing our hearts with our kids. You know, sometimes, you know, they might think, well, you guys, you, you had it all down, mom or dad. You know, you, you didn't go through what I went through. You know, yes, we did. You know, maybe at a different time, a different, a different um, situation, but we did. You know, I think as you share your battles um, that, that are similar or maybe even different, but that can relate to their situation, I think they begin to appreciate uh, more, it's like it's like it's like putting the nutrients in the soil and giving them that extra oomph when you're when you're growing something. So as you're cultivating, by saying, okay, but you know, when I was your age, let me tell you what I went through or, or how that how that same similar incident um, affected me. But not just our battles, our dreams. I think our kids need to know that, you know, we haven't given up on life, you know, but just because we stopped, got married, had some kids, started homeschooling them, you know. We still have dreams too, you know, whether and it could be dreams throughout your family. It could be dreams you know, I dream that our family's one day gonna we're gonna build a house on a lake or or you know, one of these days I'm gonna go back to college and do this, this and this or or whatever it is. And I I think um for them it just it, it, it knits our hearts closer to them is that we see that we're not that far from them and we do understand what they're going through. And, and it wasn't that long ago, even though they might think it was ancient, but it really wasn't that long ago that I was a teenager too. I'm an ex-13-year-old myself. And, and I, re- I remember those fears. I remember being treated this way in school or, or whatever the situation may be. 
You know, one of the things as a parent that I really encourage you to do, and that is to study Joseph with your teenager. Joseph, to me, uh, you know, is a a perfect example of um, a teenager in the sense that, you know, we don't see Christ during the teenage years, but we do have Joseph. And here's something where at 17 years old, everything that he knew about God, about life, about his family, about morals, stopped. He stopped learning any of that at the age of 17. So he was had to be equipped with that because we know the story of being thrown in the pit, sold in slavery, the whole thing, being tempted, thrown into prison and all that. And so uh, for him, having that, that foundation by the time that he was 17, he was able to overcome that temptation and uh, you know, being in the prison and ultimately becoming the future leader and second in command of, of, of the nation. And so, and, and you know, also he was, uh, you know, learned about forgiveness uh, of what happened to him and, and his situation. So as a parent, think of, you know, if, if our kids were thrown in, thrown in a prison or they were kidnapped at the age mm-hmm. of 17, would they be able to withstand this world? Have we equipped them and, and given them foundation to where they could stand on their own without mom or dad there or your brothers or your friends? Could could you do it? And, and if we ask that question, you know, I think that might help us to say, okay, well, if we don't think they could, let's start with the end in mind. What do we need to do um, for, my, for my teenager to where they uh, will have – you know, that foundation that we want them to have in case something like that were to happen. Not that it will happen. Obviously, we live in modern times. Um, but in a sense, it kind of does happen because our kids are out there. You know, they're thrown into a pit, you know, on a daily basis, every day via the media and, and the the Internet and everything. And so are, do they have that foundation to where they can overcome that temptation and that sin um, that that they're constantly inundated with? Um, so I think I think that's really I think that's really important. No, it is, and I think that's a great role model, um, you know, for kids because uh, it's such a great story. Okay, and then um, choices. How are the kids um, to make these great choices that we want them to make? You know, as a homeschooling family, um, one of the things I think that we all are in agreement is that we want our kids to be independent thinkers. Uh, that's the beauty of homeschooling, being able to be there, and, and they're not robots. They're not being fed something and having to regurgitate it back out. They do become this uh, person who's self-governed. And and any of the kids that families are listening that don't have homeschooled kids, it's it's something that you know we want to instill in, in all our children. You know, the we want our kids, you know, obviously ruled by the Bible, not the bayonet, from within and not from without. And I think that um, as as we instill and point them to Christ and disciple them, you know, we're going to see them, you know, blossom into someone who can make great choices. Sure, are they going to make bad choices and make mistakes? Of course. And we definitely have to, like you say, give give them some slack. We have to know that they're still human and they're still flawed. Um, one of the things, you know, um, I think that this very timely, this world that we live in is this lack of common sense. You know, when you throw out everything, that there is no such thing as a boy or girl anymore. You know, <laughs> forget science, right. forget all these things, mm-hmm. there's nothing. 
Um, you know, we have a, a world that's teaching this bizarre, well, anything goes, and it's just a slippery slope. I mean, it, it's, it didn't start just now. It's been going on, you know, when you start regarding certain people as as valuable and others not, you know, it just went downhill from there. Um, but our kids have, you know, it's common sense every day. Think this thing through. You know, this when you have good common sense, you make good choices. You look at that and say, no, that does not make any sense. I, I saw a show the other day. They were on a, They were on a campus. And they were, this was, this was not a conservative station. This was a regular station. And they were asking these college campus kids, is there a difference between a boy and a girl or a male and a female? And the, the ones that they showed all were like, mm, no, not really. Da, 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 da. You know, and what you saw on these kids' faces was really fear of, I'm afraid to say the wrong thing. You know, it's that fear of, you know, I'm going to be ridiculed if I say, well, yeah, duh, why do you think the boys come here to this girls' school? Of course there's a difference, you know. Um, and I think the common sense is out the window, and it, it, it's just kind of a, a scary thing. One of the things that we, you know, do as our, our, our children are young, we can also do as, as they become teenagers, and that is certainly to role play. And it doesn't necessarily have to be this little, you know, kind of scene where you put everything together, but it could be a sense of saying, okay, so let's talk about what if some of your homeschool friends did offer you some drugs or some alcohol or whatever it may be. What would you do? Let's let's talk about this. I want to pretend I'm so-and-so. How would you react? How would you um, take the situation and turn it around to where maybe, and I know you don't want to rat on your friend or whatever, but to say, you know what? You know, that's really not a smart idea. Don't you want to grow up? Don't you want to go to college and have a career? Don't you know that stuff is really can wreak havoc on your body? Instead of turning around and saying, oh, my gosh, no, I don't do that. You know, what is wrong with you? But also take that around and say, how can I use this situation to reflect back to them, to make them think as well, whether they change their mind or not. So I think that's really important. And, you know, choices of friends. I mean, the great thing, the beauty of homeschooling is we do – can, you know, for the most part, we can eliminate peer pressure 100%, even especially when our kids are little because we tend to, as a homeschooling parent, I know our kids generally hang, hung around more homeschooling friends. Um, it doesn't mean that that was all their friends because it wasn't. Uh, I think, but as they get older, they're going to start making some choices of their own when it comes to, you know, people they hang out with. And, you know, we know that if you hang around fools that you're going to just smart for it. Um, I think it, we need to encourage our teens to to find friends or, like you said earlier, you know, your kids were concerned about certain kids who were doing things that they didn't agree with, but instead of really being able to articulate that to you, they just said, hey, I don't want to be around those kids. But having our kids say, find friends that challenge them in their faith, that are stronger in their faith than they are. And I think that that uh, can help them really say, wow, that's the kind of person that I want to be. I want to be able to be the friend that challenges somebody in their faith, you know, being able to acknowledge and respect their choices, too, as a parent, because sometimes, you know, they may not make the best choice, okay? If it's something that's not life-changing or doesn't break the family rules, you know what? It's okay. You know, I remember my son having blue hair one time. One time he had purple hair. That wasn't life-changing. That wasn't something other that was going to take him down a moral 
decay road that he was never going to come back on. It was a phase, and it wasn't that big of a deal. So I, I just respected and said, okay, you can do that. Not that big of a deal. Falling under, you know, pick your battles. And, you mm-hmm. know, my daughter, as far as I can remember, we were going through a situation where, I don't know if you remember this, and this is probably when she was about 10 or 11, when the 70s clothes were all back in, and they were just hideous looking. And I remember thinking, <laughs> okay, I've already been through those. I don't want you to wear those. And I remember just kind of battling my daughter and just saying, oh, Judah, don't, oh, those are awful. And she really wanted them. And, you know, I had a, a really wise friend who had a lot more kids than I did and a lot older kids, and she said, does it fall under your house rules? Does it, does it fall under your guidelines of clothes? I'm like, well, yeah. I mean, it's not short. It's not doesn't have a plunging neckline. It doesn't have a demon on the middle of it, you know. It's okay, <laughs> you know. As long as it falls within your guidelines, don't worry about how ugly orange and purple it is and big giant flowers. It's okay. And she was right. Uh, and so I think, again, yeah. as, you know, as our kids are making choices, don't say no to everything. As long as it falls within your your house rules or your guidelines for clothes or whatever, that's okay. It's not that big of a deal. And I think, too, you know, as our kids get into the teenage years, they start entering into high school and taking some high school classes, you know, allow them to choose some classes as well. You know, yes, we know they have to have math and reading and writing and all that. We understand that. But you know what? There might be some electives or some other type of classes that they may want to try out. So, you know, give them that opportunity, that the choices. because And they'll appreciate it. They'll appreciate the fact that they um, uh, can do that, you know, where it's not, you know, when they're little, yes, here's what you've got to take. But as you're older, it's okay. You know, if they were in a regular school, um, they would have that opportunity um, to choose their classes and their teachers. So let's give that to them as well. And then the last thing I want to talk about as far as is choices, is I think that sometimes um, a kids as a teenager, they kind of, they're in that situation where they, they're trying to fit in, even our homeschool kids as well, and they don't want to look dumb or look bad in front of their friends, but they also don't, sometimes don't know how to make the right choice. Right choice. And so when it, sometimes when it comes to safety, I think in this relates country, when your kids were younger, as you were saying, saying about their friends, is that you can have what's called code words. And in other words, mm. something other that I you like know that. that there's something something they don't want to do, but they don't want to say, Mom, I don't want to stay at Susie's house. I mean, it could be something as, as little as your, your, your child calls you up and says, Mom, can I stay here uh, at Susie's house? You know, their parents are home. And that code word, their parents are home, could mean I don't really want to be here. And then mom can say, okay, mom can be the bad guy and say, okay, sounds like you don't want to stay. Is that correct? Yes. Okay, you cannot stay. I'm sorry, we have a family meeting tonight or something, so you cannot stay. You know, our kids appreciate that, that we allow them to make us the bad guy. We don't mind being the bad guy, and we know that they're uncomfortable. or For some reason, they, they don't want to do whatever it is they're talking about, um, so, at, you know, Sometimes the choices, they may not be able to make them, but we can help them make them um, and, and make them feel secure, and I think they'll really appreciate that. I love that, Jane. That's perfect, you know, because it kind of gives them um, an opportunity to share that with you without everybody knowing, and I think that's great. So um, that's wonderful advice. And, and, uh, and yeah, um, 
you know, these are, again, you're teaching your children how to, um, you know, succeed, right, Jean? And that's what we want to do with all of this is teach our children uh, to be successful. Absolutely. Well, Jean, we are at the end of time again. Uh, so um, we are going to wrap up this session, and I look forward to uh, more time with you and, and covering some more of these seeds. Thanks for having me. Well, thanks so much for listening to the College Prep Genius Radio Show. You can find more episodes at collegeprepgenius.com forward slash podcast or listen on iTunes, on your favorite podcast app, on your phone, on your computer, or on the go. Remember, visit collegeprepgenius.com for more information and we'll see you soon.